everyone and welcome to episode 33 of the History Hotline and the last episode in our migration series. I am so excited. Um, I'm sad because it's our final guest but I'm so so excited because this guest is just absolutely fantastic and this guest actually comes highly recommended. Um, her <laughs> fantastic friend actually messaged me and was like you need this girl on your podcast and in our literal 10-15 minute chat of introduction and um, that we've just had I completely understand why she said that because I'm, I'm already just like fired up and ready to go gems will be dropped you know mm-hmm. tables will be shaken flipped and turned <laughs> today so I hope you are ready today's episode is going to be looking at the presence of Nigerian communities in Britain and we are joined by the fantastic and wonderful Abigail um, Fagbalagun <laughs> <laughs> welcome Hi. Oh, hello, hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, so everyone. Oh, I'm gosh. so excited, guys. It's I'm so great. excited. I love history. Thank you for being here for number one. Mm, thank you for having me. No, honestly. So, I'm going to give everybody a little bio. We're going to introduce you and then we're going to get straight in and ask you some questions because I'm sure okay. everybody wants to know a little bit about you before you drop all your gems on us today. <laughs> so, Abigail, um, she studied history, of course, um, at the University of Essex um, and looked at Nigeria, um, obviously. And that's why she's here talking about that today. Um, but specifically, how did Nigerians live and adapt to life in the UK? Looking at the 1960s to the early 2000s, um, and obviously you might be thinking, oh, early 2000s, is that history? Well, yes, it is history because it didn't <laughs> happen today. Um, it's not in the present. But also you have to remember that not all kind of the waves of black people migrate into this country happened in the 40s and 50s, like the Windrush generation. So I think it's quite interesting to take this perspective from a little bit later on in what we would look at normally as history, shall we say. Abigail has studied extensively, you know, looking at different themes across history, such as obviously migration and race. She's also been able to look at a lot of British history, so she's going to be able to provide a lot of that good, good context. Um, something which I've never really studied too much, really, British history, but, you know, we've got Abigail for that. She's also been able to study um, African-American history um, in quite a lot of depth, looking at things like hip-hop culture in America, historically, uh, poetry uh, and music in regards to um, American um slavery in the south um and kind of things related to that so we've got a very well versed (laughs) speaker and guest today who can speak about so many different things um we will be obviously focusing on migration in nigeria but you know if you want abigail back to be talking about hip-hop and all these other fantastic things you know just let me know i take requests and i am already excited um for what we will be talking about today in the first like 10 minutes of us speaking um Abigail has told me about four random historical facts. (laughs) Now, I thought I was like a bit of a history nerd, which obviously I am because I'm really here with the whole podcast. But yeah, Abigail has facts from far and wide. So (laughs) do you want to give us one now just so we can launch in? My my first random, not random enough, is that Henry VIII was actually six foot one in a time where most um, men were actually five five. So he was like a giant and he actually wasn't a glutton. Like when we look at Henry VIII, we think of someone who was always eating and fat and whatever, but he wasn't like, I don't know why history... Has presented. I'm telling you, you've you shattered know, all everything I've ever learned about the Tudors. Horrible histories have got to like confirm some stuff because but in the portraits, he, 
he's he not, big. He wasn't. Like, he was a bit big, but he wasn't like oh, a glutton. Glutton. You know what I mean? And he was serious. Like sometimes you think of him as unserious because he had so many wives and. Oh no, I think oh, he's serious. Just, he's, he's a serious scary. guy, and he was tall. So can you imagine most men being five five and he's out here six one? Every woman's dream. Wow. <laughs> when I found that out, I was like, <gasps> but the thing is, a lot of. The history we learn, we learn it from media. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And everybody does wants to watch something that's interesting. So when we're watching a movie about Henry VIII and he's a glutton, you're thinking, ah, oh, okay. You can you know? hate him a bit more. You can, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So yeah, that's my random fact. Wow. So let's just have a talk about you. So, you know, I've introduced you, but have a chance to introduce yourself. So who are you? Okay, <laughs> guys. I'm Abigail Fagbolligan. I'm 23. I graduated in 2020 with this whole pandemic because I did a year abroad in America. Um, So I did a four-year course, um, which was absolutely great. That's where I was able to do hip-hop culture. Like, doing a year abroad was the best thing for me um, because when it comes to history, it's good to have perspective. Mm. And that literally gave me a lot of perspective um, in terms of the fact that, let's say, when we talk about World War II, right, or the World Wars, we obviously we have a start date for Europe, but when you think yeah. about America, America mm. has another start date. So you Absolutely. might, if you're American, you might actually say no, the World War <laughs> didn't start at this time; it started at another time. So having been able to go on my year abroad was really good. Um, so yeah, I've just graduated, looking for jobs. The job market is literally like thinner than I don't know me when I was young. <laughs> it's so hard right now, but you'll get doing done. that. You will. exactly do you want to stay in history is this definitely this like that's you? my thing yeah. because like i'm trying to like do history forever do you get what I me mean? like i want to do different Trend things again. i want to teach <laughs> do you get what I me mean? like history is my passion you know some people have like have a career and then yeah. they have a passion it's like ours is interlinked it's like i love history it's on a, the side sometimes i think it's it. not a good thing but i do what, what else can we do I just love it, do you know what I mean? And I want to pursue yeah. specifically black British history for now mm-hmm. and then just basically Definitely. do black history. But I love wars, so I might dabble mm. in that as well. Mm. Right. Okay, tell me, what is your favourite historical time period, if any? I love, the, like I was saying, the slavery period of America. Like, yeah. I find that really interesting because of the fact that these are human beings who went through slavery and when we look at Definitely. the transatlantic slave trade we're not looking at something we've seen before like this was very systematic do you know what i mean and yeah. for me my, my favorite part of it is like slave narratives and like stories about that time because we get to see how these people felt do you know mm-hmm. what i mean and they were taken from one culture to another and that's yeah. what i find fascinating like because i think of my parents literally become, they are british but like like completely not having their language, completely yeah. not having their accent. Definitely. Like, do you know what I mean? Just like, for context, part all the sorry, time. If someone didn't yeah. get this, um, Abigail's obviously British Nigerian, so yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah, I'm British Nigerian. I'm Yoruba. Fantastic. Um, so yes, that makes if that makes yeah, sense. definitely. So yeah, um, so yeah, those. That's my favourite time. I hear that. So your research interests, you've said, yeah, you're looking at Black history specifically. When you say yeah. Black British history, um, or you know other kinds of black history do you want to carry on looking at nigerian people or more you know i don't know different different groups different different countries i would say yeah because the way the british the black british community is Mm. we were all from different places but we like we were all in this do you know there is i think especially with young people there is a black british 
use exactly not movement because we're not protesting anything but there's yeah. a community there's a sense of exactly. us pride yeah, yeah, and that. us yeah. that I don't know if the previous generations had like maybe yeah. they were just fighting for their lives but mm-hmm. now it's like we are here do you get yeah. what I mean? like you can't tell stop asking me where I'm from ninja <laughs> like even though I am proud to be Nigerian yeah don't ask me where I'm from when I tell you I'm from London do you get what I mean because <laughs> I know you're trying to dig deeper to find out where this melanated skin comes from but <laughs> so for me I do want to do Nigerian history but more black British yeah lot, definitely because I think it's going to be not it would be easier for me to just do all of us and then I guess if I'm going to specific places then I yeah. would do like okay the Nigerian church for example or the Absolutely. Caribbean church for do you go yeah there? definitely that's the thing black British history doesn't have to be a group of people you can look at themes yeah. you can look at places exactly. you can look at spaces you can look at activism you can look at yeah anything exactly so. fantastic so, yeah. fantastic okay before yeah. we get into our, our main discussion we're going to look at, um, you know, like a mini history of Nigeria and why why Nigerian people ended up in Britain. Um, do you want to give us another fun fact? People, Some people do know that braids, that people would keep food in their braids. Yeah, in, during slavery. Rice in there, yes, during mm-hmm. slavery. So yeah, that's, that's a fun it. fact. So when people just talk about braids, like it's just, like mm-hmm. braids is more than a protective style. Braids is, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like literally our culture. And it was a lifesaver. Yeah, it was a lifesaver, I'm telling you. So, and people had long hair, so... Yeah, and braid maps into hair. There were underground railroads. Yes, exactly. Braid maps into the hair or paths. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Now, let us think about Nigeria. Go on, set the scene. What is the history of Nigeria? I'm going to pretend I know nothing. I know very little, honestly, my... Okay, so we know that the British have been in Africa for a while now. And so slavery was abolished in the 1800s, the late 1800s. But we see that the British, well, the European powers always wanted more than just enslaved people or gold. They wanted more. They wanted land. Um, And so we see the British come back. So basically, we really see them take control in 1851. They take over the colony of Lagos basically there was an uncle that was in power he was taken out of power and his nephew took place right and the uncle wanted to go back into power um and so basically the British helped him take his kingdom back and so in 1851 they come there's a little war you could call it and he regains power and then in 1861 the British basically forced the um, they call them Oba, which is yeah. king, the yeah. king of Lagos, to sign this treaty, basically saying we're going to take control wow. of um, of Lagos. And so mm-hmm. he does it. He doesn't want to, but he does it. Yeah. And then over the next few years, we see that basically the um, the British government or even like the monarchy gives permission to um, companies to take over bits uh-huh. of Nigeria. Yes. So we see different companies. You may have heard of the Royal Niger Company. Sometimes mm-hmm. we even talk about the Royal Indian Company when it comes to yeah. India. So there's a lot of royal companies mm. going around to different countries. And so we basically see that going on. So there are different companies that basically take control of different parts yeah. of um, Nigeria. And then basically the Royal Niger Company did something that the British didn't like. And so mm. they sold their holdings to the British. Okay, so in 1899, the, Ni- um, the Royal Niger Company sold their holdings to the British um, for 865,000. 
pounds. So the British basically um, bought the mm-hmm. bought Nigeria from the British, which is yeah. weird. Just to say um, as well, sorry to cut you. Yeah. That eight hundred and sixty-five thousand in eighteen ninety-nine is forty-six million four hundred seven thousand two hundred and fifty in today's money. So, guys, like. Yeah. That's crazy. So from there, we basically see the British take over. Um, and then at this point, Nigeria wasn't Ni- Nigeria it is today. Do you know what I mean? It was yep. just places. And so the British brought the South and the North together and they created mm-hmm. Nigeria. And they then forced them get together, to, right? Because they I forced feel them like together. They created the lines. Yeah. So we have yeah. in that in Niger, actually, we have over 400 ethnic groups. Obviously, they all come out of one ethnic group but yeah. there's so many so that's when it when it comes to looking at africa when you look at the lines of every single country the people on those lines on the borders are going to yeah. have such similar culture because truly you could have moved those lines how many kilometers and you would have been nigeria you know wow. which is, and now you're classed as nigerian but before you were whatever your ethnic you were, group was you were tribe, tribe exactly trap tribes were most important that's one thing to highlight yeah. when it comes to looking at africa you'd look at tribes mm. you wouldn't look at because even now we still tribes are very important yeah. in Africa. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so yes, yeah, so in the fifties, people have always not liked the British being there because people have pride. As African people have pride. Mm. Um, and so it's like, how can someone take over our land? So in nineteen fifty eight, the British finally agreed that okay, we're gonna give you um, yeah. you're gonna give your land back. You're gonna be Nigeria. And so <laughs> on the first of October nineteen sixty, yeah, that um Nigeria became independent. And so that's where we start to see Nigerian migration to the UK. Okay. That is like a whistle-stop tour. I like yes. that. I, yeah. yeah. Guys, go and research. It's a lot to like... Of course. And this podcast is always just a starting point for further yeah, research. Yeah, starting There point. is never going to be an episode where everything is said in one place. It's impossible. There's so much. Honestly. And even just from, you know, my own like little bits of reading here and there, like even pre-1899 you know yeah pre that point where uh sorry enslaved people were being taken and shipped over to the caribbean and the americas there's a whole history of that as well there's so much as west african people we are and i say we yes i'm jamaican but we're everywhere because we were taken from these regions of africa and dropped off on many different stops on these slave ships and so you know this is a very 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 big and i think important history as well not just specifically nigeria but africa generally i think it's important when we do black history and it's something i've always wanted to do more but just not felt able to we need to go Mm. back to africa to understand our roots it's where it it all started it's who we are as as black people exactly so let us move on let us not dwell too long do you want me to give you a random fact i give a random fact about slavery um, which I find really disturbing, though. So, as you said, um, Africans were taken to the Americas, well, whether that is the USA that we know today mm-hmm. and Latin America. And in USA, the masters would take more care of their enslaved people because they wanted their money's worth. But yeah. in the Caribbean, the average age that a man would die in the Caribbean at the beginning of slavery was 24 years yeah, old. Yeah, 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 because yeah. They- aware that they could just go back to africa and get a 
get an, a, another group of people and enslave them, yeah. which I just think is great. Like, these Honestly. are human beings. Yeah. The only thing that's different about us is that some of us are more pigmented than other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. That's why I always say that race, we all know that race doesn't make sense because it doesn't account for all people. Mm-hmm. When we talk about African people, we talk about them being black. When we talk about people from Europe, we talk about them being white. How can you only have something that accounts for two people? Yeah. It's just, Absolutely. all of it is, anyway, crazy. It is, it is phenomenal absolutely it is but yeah, yeah definitely thank you again for the fun fact although i think your facts are coming yeah, less fun okay. they're facts but i don't know they're they're they are they're not slavery is not fun they're sad facts they I'll are sad facts abigail's sad facts tune in <laughs> thinking about nigeria of course in positioned in west africa um, we left kind of our little last point in the 60s where, you know, Nigeria has independence October 1st, 1960. Um, and so how does, not how does independence look, but what does that look like? Is it is it going well? What's happening? I feel like you've got regions and nations pushed together, tribes pushed together yeah. and forced to be one. Um, I'm sure the British government have put parliament in place and put their political yes. structures in place and their education system so yeah. yeah what does that look like um so as you said like the british have been here for a while so we see a lot of christianity um in nigeria and like you said there have been parliaments there are british people who live in nigeria who are um basically controlling nigeria but they are leaving now and yeah. so the nigerian government start to send people to the uk on scholarships on four-year scholarships to um gain education so that they can take over these posts okay and so that's why we start to see nigerians come to the uk as Obviously, students people, with purpose as students uh-huh. with purpose so and not so, like with like, the windows generation as you know workers that then fall yeah. into unskilled labor because they can't get any other jobs um yeah. to rebuild britain post-war these people are coming with a purpose of getting an education with money i'm assuming funding yeah with and the intention of going funded home. and wow. they came but Nigeria was at a place where the UK wasn't where you wanted to be anyway. Okay. Do you go? Know I mean, there wasn't yep. much that was appealing to you from Britain. <laughs> like the it's British are in Britain. Like, where are you going? The British are in Nigeria. The British, like, do you go? Know I mean, yeah. and so we see a lot of people coming and going. Yeah. It was no like I want to stay. It was mm. like peace out. But obviously, there were people who would stay. Some yep. people would fall in love here. decide that you know what this is the country for them and so from that period from that's my research showed me that 60s that's where we really see the influx of nigerians coming into the uk that's quite interesting because i don't know if you ever watched um desmond's yeah i love Um, it and i know the if anyone has watched it the character of matthew he's not nigerian he's i can't remember what country he's from it's not nigeria though yeah um but he is he comes as a student and he's just doing courses and courses and courses all throughout the seasons whereas you have the guyanese um like barbershop workers pork pie um the peg and prince who's i think um and desmond himself who are working you know they've come at an older age they've got families now they can't go anywhere even though desmond's dream is to go home one day like he can't do that because he's he's financially trapped whereas with matthew's character it seems like he could go at any is it matthew michael at any time mike wait matthew yeah he can go back at any time absolutely and i think that's very interesting when we think about 
the kind of profile of people of mm. this migration um, and what that then means in terms of maybe even class for the future. Yes. Um, if you've got people that are coming with degrees or yeah. that are getting degrees from British universities, not from universities that aren't trusted by the British. Yeah. Um, and so there's a difference there when we're, we're thinking about potentially comparing different groups of migrants. Exactly. Um, in this country. In Which this is experience. amazing that they were even able to capture that in, yeah. in a TV programme. Right. Th- yeah. tv in the 90s i'm sorry but it was yeah. really doing the things that today should be doing it, if if we even start we're going to be here forever <laughs> but i just want to say since it happened literally today the day we're recording um steve mcqueen smallax has just been nominated for 15 baftas oh 15 or as in different actors actresses um producing directing all wow. that kind of stuff so that is amazing i feel like we're, we're maybe we're getting back to a golden age of black british tv i hope so i pray so <laughs> <laughs> anyway so continuing on um most countries not most countries in africa a lot of countries in africa and a lot of countries around the world let's let's mm. be honest have this thing that happens called a civil war yes now we're not going to go into the whole depths of the civil yeah. war because no civil war is simple. We know this. Um, the American one, long enough. British have had a civil war. Everybody had a civil war. So the Nigerian civil war, though, does that have an impact on migration? From what I found, no. When okay. I first went into this research, I went into it as people came because of the war. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I remember I was on the phone to my one of my dad's, my friend's um, dad. Yeah. And he was like, no, that's not what happened. And I was like, <gasps> and he was like, yes, people came because um, of independence. So mm. when you do look at migration, you hardly see people coming because of that civil war. Yeah. Especially because if you could say it was a small part of Nigeria fighting the other part. It was okay. um, more so the Igbo. Yeah, Igbo people. So yeah, we actually don't see that having an impact. That's interesting. But that is. the Nigerian civil war is very important. The Biafra war. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Thank you. And I'm thinking then. Okay, when when was the big wave then? Because 1960s, as you said, people coming as students, a lot returning home. Yeah. But we have a huge Nigerian community in this country, especially in London. London actually has from the 2011 census actually, um, yeah. 114,718. Nigerian born so that's not even second generation yeah. um, in their population um the borough of um Suffolk even though it's South yes which is crazy. <laughs> the biggest so yeah South yeah. London obviously seen the, the kind of mass of that migration um and then other regions kind of following on so what happened in the 80s then that, that so, led to this, this I believe there's like cultural and like government like beef i would say with the people i guess this is when you really see the nigerian government doing hiki haga they've been doing hiki haga for years but here's where we see it and so in the 80s and 90s we see um i think it also has to do with oil there's so many different things of course we see um loads of nigerians actually in the 90s um the nigerian population increased by 86 percent so we see a massive like do you go i mean like we see like there's more people and literally like you said most um yoruba people who migrate actually are found in south london like when you look all over the world which is crazy yeah i'm so happy i grew up in south london (laughs) but also i feel like yoruba are the dominating kind of numbers when it comes to nigeria's migrant in here in the uk yes are they the biggest group in nigeria 
No, they're not. They're one of the. They're actually small. When we look at um, small but loud. My break, small but loud. That's why I love Yoruba people. I always say, if I wasn't Yoruba, I would have an issue with us. Like you're so loud. Of course. But um, Fulani slash Hausa people yeah. are the biggest tribe in Nigeria. Okay. Like majority, majority. Yeah. And then we see other tribes in Yoruba. We see Igbo. We see Benin people. There are so many different tribes. But when it comes to, I guess, the UK like Yoruba people are so loud because when it comes to when it comes to migration my research has has basically told me yeah that okay let me say that again research the research that I've seen when it comes to Nigerian migration is Yoruba people come to the UK yeah Igbo people go to the US and house of people slash Fulani people when they do migrate go to Muslim countries right because they're Muslim because they're Uh, Muslim it makes sense for them to go definitely why would they go to Britain to do Islamophobia and racism exactly do you yeah. know what i mean and sometimes we forget how important faith and religion is to people and it has a big impact on um on people's lives and so that's why i guess nigeria yoruba people are so loud here but even even that was back in the day but even now yeah. when i look at nigerians in the u.s i see mostly Igbo people okay that's interesting yeah. why do you think then yeah. there's a difference with the yoruba people and the Igbo people that go from do you know what i mean go to the u.s and yeah go? I have no idea, really. I, yeah. I really don't know. But it does like have an impact on Nigerian faith in the UK also. Like of course. everything interlinks. Yes. But definitely. I have no idea why Ebers are going to America. Well then I guess sometimes it's the same thing with, with any group of people. And instead of and I think maybe instead of lumping groups of people from Nigeria as Nigerians, yeah. we should be looking at it in separate you have to, because yeah. Jamaicans probably i'm sure there's regions in jamaica even though it's such a tiny island that all yeah. went to a certain part of the uk maybe Hansel, exactly. maybe Brixton, maybe tottenham and so the same thing is happening there but because we we've we have and by we i mean british people have said yeah. nigeria you are one clump we yeah. are just like oh well everyone just came to england when it's actually there's um sorry what's the word nuances you know there's complexities yes, exactly that are like definitely one we're like, not we're not all the black same people and, are not one caribbean people are not one african exactly. people are certainly not one nigerian people are not people. one and then yoruba people right in, even oh, inside gosh. like when i was doing my dissertation and my dad my dad was walking me through so yeah. i'm from austrian state in nigeria okay. so that's o-s-u-n yeah and my dad was walking me through the ejesha people elesha people i was thinking wait there's more of us there's more like the older you get it's funny because when i was younger i was just nigerian now i'm a bit older i'm yoruba do you know i mean and not that i'm not nigerian anymore but Mm -hmm. i'm just digging deeper and the older we get you dig deeper and even when i was doing research for my dissertation interviewing people i found out that um tribalism was a massive thing back home that i just didn't really know about it is and i think i feel like when i hear about it maybe as an outsider i hear it as being quite a divisive thing um, you yeah, know. unfortunately, kind of like race. Yeah, because it say, is a... even though it's hard to compare anything to race, yeah, I think definitely. because yeah, race. It's, so... <laughs> it's just not even. It's just so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because when I interviewed um somebody, she said that even looking for a job in places. So she's Igbo, and when yeah. she would go to places that weren't Igbo, yeah. they would hire the person. Let's say she was in the Yoruba part, mm-hmm. they would hire the person who was Yoruba because they didn't want to wow. hire someone who was Igbo. But then again. Mm-hmm. I couldn't necessarily say that's the whole of Nige because yep. I haven't been to Nigeria okay. and that's someone's experience and that was that back in the day. Yeah, so definitely. I think tribe, tribes will always have something when it comes to Africa. Mm-hmm. When we look at um, 
even when we look at Cameroon and we look yeah. at the English speakers and the French speakers, mm-hmm. I still blame the British though for of all the tribalism. But well, they um, drew yeah. lines on a map with no regard to where people forget the even drawing lines with regard. They went there. Who told that's maddest <sighs> thing. As in, imagine going into someone's home and being like, Okay, this is now mine. Whatever you make, whatever you make, you give to me. Take all the food, all the natural yeah. resources, all the plants growing, and take some people as well and ship them off to another exactly. country. Exactly. And say that you're here to civilize us mm. and you're here to bring Christianity and mm. faith. And mm. not to say that there's anything wrong with faith at yep. all. Come on, like I'm a Christian, but don't hide yep. like don't hide behind something. Behind. Do you yep, know what exactly. I mean? And that's don't, my and issue. don't do bad, evil, corrupt things in the name of God. That's what they would do, but that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Definitely. Okay, right. So what we, we are here to talk about today is then, you know, and you know, I know I hate to say it, but Nigerians, quote unquote, in Britain, um, yes. what did what does that culture look like? We've said Yoruba people are loud. I, that's what yeah. you said, not me. No, and nobody come for me. Abigail's work. People are loud, guys. We um, can be loud and we can be quiet, like all people. So, what are our thoughts? What are your findings, should we say? What does Nigerian yes. culture look like in Britain? And also, we're looking at it in a different way that we look at the Windrush. And I'm sorry to keep comparing, but yeah, it's, no, I guess, a base level of understanding for most listeners. You know, Nigerians aren't the first black people in Britain. So, mm-hmm. maybe some of the legwork um, is done by mm-hmm. earlier Caribbean communities and earlier African people that came. Um, you know, we haven't looked at any other countries in Africa yet on this podcast who might have come earlier than Nigerians. Yeah. So that Ghanaians legwork is kind of... a bit earlier, actually. What was that, sorry? Ghanaians might have been here a little bit earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and maybe different other countries that were colonised by the British. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what does, what does Nigerian culture look like in Britain? Is it different to back home? Is it you know easy is it simple you know go on talk talk me through it okay so I always love talking about culture in different places because oh my gosh there's I I just love it because there is you can study this from a historical perspective you can study this from um I think it's called anthropology when you study human beings because when I was doing my dissertation and I was looking at um, a simulation I was looking at some people so there's different um um definitions or yeah. even words that can explain the way people assimilate some people come to the uk and decide that the U- the british culture is what is going to be their culture mm-hmm. some people reject british culture and be like nigerian culture is all i'm going to have yeah. some people mix and some people just don't even do nothing mm-hmm. whatever comes comes yeah. so when we look at um nigerian culture in the uk i had um three chapters yeah. livelihood and school faith and faith and then access to home and so basically i was just looking at nigerian culture in the uk or maybe what nigerians even came to right Mm -hmm. and so the biggest thing that i found was faith yeah that was a massive part that and still is a massive part of nigerian culture in the uk like i meet people and i'm like what church did you grow up in what church did you grow up in or or what mosque did you grow up in do you know what i mean so most people if you know someone who's nigerian you they probably grew up in church yeah. you know what I mean and so also when we look at that we see that Yoruba people um are um Pentecostal Christians and Igbo people are usually um Catholics yeah which all has to do with colonialism as well and what the British done where the British went do you know what I mean yeah um and so my first chapter like I said I was looking at livelihood and schooling and like I said people came over 
to learn. Some people started to come over just to to get an education. They didn't really know if they were going back if they were staying. Yeah. And one of my most like most interesting um findings I kind of knew before was this thing called farming. Okay. So this is where Ooh, yes. Nigerians yes would foster off their children to um white families outside of London yeah. for a few years while they studied because obviously we always say people always say it takes a village to raise a child. And when we look at Africa, when we look at the Caribbean, this is really how they were doing it. Yeah. But a lot of people were coming with no family. Do you know what I mean? And some people literally got pregnant and found out that they were on their own mm-hmm. so these um students would farm their children um to these families mm. and some people would stay for two three years while their parents got that degree but some people would stay for longer some yeah. people never saw their parents again so when we talk about farming it's something that's a bit difficult because a lot of farming went well but yeah. a lot of it didn't and there's even a case of a young girl who died oh, in um yeah in the care of her of her foster parents mm-hmm. and so some people would go through a system i believe the government actually helped out but some yeah. people would just go off look uh, my friend recommended this woman i'm gonna give my child to wow. this woman and they would pay these families to look after their children there's a movie called farming and another um, yeah. movie called the um the last tree both yeah. of them are actually really good movies to understand farming and both of them are real yeah the last tree and um farming farming the movie they're both different perspectives you get farming literally runs you through a child that was completely left in you could say wasn't completely but he grew up in britain like his parents had come back for him and then the last tree kind of takes you on the journey of a person who has been through farming and how do i get back into normal life because a lot of these people didn't know they were black like yeah. race is one of those things you've grown up with white people you know something is different about you but you can't pinpoint it or you can't you know? verbalize it you don't you have the words the language because nobody else can verbalize yeah. it for you um and so so by 1964 so this is only four years after independence we see 1743 children fostered mm-hmm. in these homes. but these are only official numbers we don't know no. about the people who did private fostering um so these farming is crazy because a lot of people don't know that this happens yeah a lot of people don't know that people just couldn't handle it one of my my interviewees um she just said she couldn't handle um working looking for a job schooling and looking after her son so Mm -hmm. she fostered her kid out and he still remembers even though he left at two years old he still remembers her she was nice and a lot of people still go back and so yeah that was that was a massive um part of my findings and then like i said faith was a big part of that and it wasn't just that you would go to church or mosque and worship god and then leave it was so much more than that and so like i said um there are more like there are more christians in the uk nigerian christians than there are muslims even though majority of muslims i mean majority of nigerians are actually muslim yeah so in the uk we only see about nine percent of nigerians being muslim and the majority then are christian and we Mm -hmm. have some that are atheists yeah but even that is hard to find because that but we also have people who are you don't see it so much but people who basically still believe in nigerian nigerian religion even though you can't really call it religion it's so hard to break when we look at religion we look at certain like Mm. there are rules regulations if that makes sense i don't have to say rules and regulations but when we look at yoruba religion um to be specific it isn't really like religion it's kind of not free-flowing but a belief system a belief system yes and so 
there's so much with it and that's why we yeah. even see it continue i guess as we like go um through slavery yeah we see a lot of it and um, but it's much more you know when it comes to religion like i said rules and regulations when we yeah. talk to christian muslim it's like bang 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 no i can't be half muslim half christian mm-hmm. but when we look at african religion or african faith even yeah. when it came to slavery and black people were okay with accepting Christianity because it was just like, we're just going to mix it in. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So even when it came to burials, for example, in um, black America during slavery time, they would, okay, have Christianity in that yep. um, burial, but they would also do what their ancestors mm-hmm. did. Yeah. They kind of mixed. Yep. So that's why I say it's more like, it is, it's, I would say it's deeper in a way, but it's like very like relaxed. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to be for you, if that makes sense. So we yep. see a little bit of that in the UK, but not majority. Okay. Hard to find evidence wow. of that um so yeah like church for me especially was a big thing because you would meet people and then you would go to their weddings like yeah. it was how people got to know each other so yeah. coming to nigeria coming to the uk from nigeria mm-hmm. or from wherever you were and you found a faith hub it was mm-hmm. perfect because then you could get a job mm-hmm. you could meet someone your pastor probably knew people in the community yeah people could support you when to open a business we see a lot of nigerian business owners actually in the uk wow. if people want you know like it's free advertising you go yeah to church, exactly guys, yeah open, there's a, yeah and you've got a community that are wanting to support you to support you exactly as christians and, and as fellow nigerians and exactly that mm. kind of what, what you're offering so, yeah which is how um, community is formed is formed exactly and that's how we see nigerians um function in the uk my research took me to manchester as well but nowhere else really yeah Yeah. so um thinking about church and it being a huge part of nigerian culture in the uk because of so many the fact that you know as you said so many people that came from nigeria would have been christian um, and set up community in the church were there specific churches denominations because i know nigerians are probably like yeah church being catholic but you know these specific churches in the community what kind of churches were they so like i was saying before yoruba people are pentecostal christians usually which is an extension of the protestant church and then we see Iwa people being catholics Mm -hmm. um and so when we look at churches in the uk there's specific churches like cac which is the church I grew up in, Christ Apostolic Church, yeah. which was founded in Nigeria wow. in 1940, in the 1940s yeah. or na- 1900s. Yeah. Um, so by 2009, they had over 500,000 worshippers in the UK. We also see the Redeemed Christian Church of God, yeah. um, which is a massive church, like every Nigerian knows about Redeemed. Mm. And then there's K- KICC, which is Kingsway International Christian Centre. Yeah. So these are very popular churches yeah. that we see nigerians um going to mm-hmm. during the 80s the two, early 2000s and even now i would meet people i meet people and be like what cac did you go to do you go me and they're like we've all been to a redeemed church so these churches were very important yeah. for the culture okay. for meeting people yeah. whether you were really really like about your relationship with christ or not yeah these places were very very important and like you said um southwark mm-hmm. like has a lot like even now you can go to south like peckham in fact there are so many churches wow. um and a fun fact actually is that uh, <laughs> another one southwark has the biggest concentration of african christians outside of africa wow. so it would be african number one and then number two wouldn't just be london it would be southwark south london do you know how crazy that is that's As in the insane. biggest populate like that's 
crazy. Yeah. So yeah, if you grew up in Peckham, if you know family that um in Peckham or like South London, you know that you can pass so many different churches. We see the impact that Nigeria or Nigerian um British Nigerians have had on not only their culture in the UK mm-hmm. but on South London. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? On um Peckham, like when we look at the hairdressers, yeah. like so many Nigerians own these hairdressers. Like there's even a part of Peckham um, next to Asda, if you know about Asda, and like, let's say you're walking towards like Camberwell, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a bit that like I like to call Lagos, yeah, because it's like it's just Nigerian shops, yeah. Even though gentrification is real, but white people have been in South for years. But anyways, there's like random like white shops, like but you yeah. can get like everything you need, and that's one thing that I loved about growing up in South London. Yeah. Right. Let us t- quickly talk about. I don't mean to rush it, but access to home. Yeah, and then yeah. we will have said all we have to say about Nigeria. All we have to say. So, yeah. yeah, I guess stay tuned so, for the next 5, 10, 15 maybe minutes. Yeah. Um, and then you know what? Access to home is very... It's just your norm. Like, mm-hmm. access to home just talks about the access you have to home. And so home being Nigeria. Home being Nigeria. Yeah. So, like I said, my question was, how did Nigerians live and adapt within the UK? Mm-hmm. Having access to home helped them. Yeah. So... Um, my chapter is basically broken down into communication. Yeah. So we talk about letters being sent. We talk about phone calls. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because when you're watching Nollywood movies, you always see people, if it's like a movie in the village, mm-hmm. someone will go to the person who has a phone, you pay, then you call the person wherever you're trying to call. Yeah. And that's basically what a lot of people would do to communicate with people back home. Mm-hmm. Then another thing we have is food. The access to food Fantastic. gives you access to home. Now we're talking... <laughs> God, I'm telling you, like when I was interviewing um one of um my my friend's mum actually, she was talking about the fact that the fact that she was able to eat the food that her that she ate in her village, yeah. that she ate at home, like that made her feel like better. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, I don't have people who are my Nigerian and who are my next door neighbours, yeah. but the fact that I have access to food. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about culture, the first thing we really talk about is always food. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Because we kind of all have access to that. When it comes to music, some people are deaf, like they can't hear music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like one of the things we have access to, all of us, is food. You have to eat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so literally having that taste is so good. It's so important. Like um, but yeah, the fact that they were able to go to shops, markets, like all of those things helped people have access to home. Mm-hmm. And then we also look at media. Cool. Um, we know about like Ben TV, like watching Nollywood, like people would watch it on cassettes because obviously there weren't course, these CDs. Yeah. You know? So all of these things help a person get situated in a place. Even when we go to university, we take things that remind us of our home, whether that's your one pillow or that teddy that you've had for 10 years that you ain't washed that might have COVID. (laughs) Those things make us feel at home. So, yeah. Definitely. Okay. That's literally access to home. Access to home was just, it was a small chapter because it's something that, I guess, even if you were studying people who are Asian, you would have a chapter like Mm -hmm. that because it's really important to look at. Right. Let us wrap up this episode with our closing words. So... Abigail, where shall we find you? Yeah. Plug your socials, plug anything you want to plug at this point, and then we will wrap up. Um, I'm on Instagram, um, A B I G A E L underscore X O. Um, I have Twitter, but I can't <laughs> give you my Twitter because I just try yes. to sit on there. But yes, if you follow me on Instagram, that would be great because, like hopefully by the grace of god soon i'm gonna set up a website because i just want to continue researching because i feel like once you graduate you have and you mm-hmm. want to be a historian you 
can't just stop that oh, way. Yeah, you, you have can't. to continue to research. So I want to like, like I was saying, my big thing is Black British, yeah. like youth, youth, I guess. Youth actually stops at 24, but I want to go yeah. further than that. Younger like, adults. So I basically want to look at the second Absolutely. generation That's of all of us. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Um, and obviously for the Carib- um, for Caribbeans, that would be maybe third or yeah, fourth generation. Yeah, really yeah. I just want to look at us. Bro, literally. Yeah. So I just want to look at us. So that's definitely what I'm... This summer, actually, I need to get myself a camera. I'm just going to take pictures of people in general, but specifically yeah. black people, and just have that, like, and in 10 years' time, I'm going to come up with a book the <laughs> summer after quarantine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, pictures are so important. Like, I love when I see pictures of, like, black people, mm, like, back yeah. in the day, or back in the... Like, even in the 90s or 80s. I just yeah, love it. It's great. just like, look at them in Definitely. Indeed. Yeah. So, thank you so much for this episode. It's been fantastic. I've learned so much. I think Nigeria's history, Nigerian culture building, community building in Britain. Um, audience, obviously, you're still listening, and I'm sure you feel the same way. This is the end of our migration series, and I just feel like we finished with such a high point. You might want to. We might have to reload it. We might have to reload the series. We need to. I need to look at more countries in Africa specifically, um, because as we've said, it is the beginning. Ghana would be such yes, a of course, Ghana. Um, I've really wanted to look at some of the countries colonized by the French, but that is just that's actually about a year of reading. I need to do about French colonization before I can yeah. even dip my toe. So, dip your toe. so for now, this is what we have presented our migration series from the History yeah. Hotline with our final guest, our final fantastic guest. Abigail, thank you so much for being on the episode today. Thank you for having me, guys. I hope you learned loads of stuff and follow me or check. Absolutely, and I'll plug all her pages um on the social media posts, Twitter, Instagram, um LinkedIn, all that good stuff. So you can find her, and I'll plug her website when eventually when we get there. Um, so yeah, you'll definitely be able to continue, and we're all gonna um you know hope to see Abigail writing these books publishing these articles blogs in the future yeah hopefully books that people not that people read but you know sometimes there are history books that only yeah yeah yeah. i can't do that like nobody in their normal life is going to read this it's not the work i wanted this is why i have a podcast it's, it's not for today's episode. Wrapping right, up, people are reading these articles doing. that are firstly behind a paywall, or secondly in forty-pound right. books that are only published by university right. presses. Sorry, and even we historians are reading it. it. Do you know how many books I have that I'm literally it. like, I'll have to wait to find it in a library and sit in a library because right. I don't have institutional access. I'm telling anyway, you, that's the end of that. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.